Welcome to the Operation Miss Podcast, where we provide moms with tools to survive pregnancy and thrive postpartum. From healthcare providers and organizations to Miss Moms and moms who survive near-death complications, each conversation will equip moms to have a safer motherhood journey, whether preparing for pregnancy, currently pregnant, or recovering postpartum. It is our sincere prayer that all women who listen will leave with a missed mentality, one where she asks questions unashamedly so she can have what she needs to make an informed decision, where she has more trust in her body's design than she does in medical intervention, and where she allows her data to guide her lifestyle so she shows up to motherhood in her best health. Now, let's listen to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Operation Miss podcast, where we have lovely guests come on and equip our listeners with tools to survive delivery and thrive afterwards. And today we have such an amazing, amazing woman on the podcast. I can't even contain my excitement. When I first heard her story, it was told to me in part by a woman named Patricia Prime, and she was a doula for this young lady. And I just, I thought it was so miraculous what happened. And so I was excited to meet with you, Marcella. And and Miss Pat, the way she told it, it really helped me to realize that we are missing out on modern day miracles because people don't have the faith to stand and to believe in their bodies like you do. And it's not, I don't think that it's that women don't want to, it's that there are so many external factors that, come into play that make them say, you know what, let me just pause so that nothing bad happens. But you said, let me stay the course to see what God can do. And so I think stories like yours need to be told, not because everyone has to take the course that you took, but Mm -hmm. then if they do, they know that miraculous things can happen. And so Thank you for coming on and talking with us. I cannot wait to delve oh, deeper wow. into your story, but please, please, please introduce yourself to the people. First of all, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm honored to have been invited and asked. Thank you. Uh, well, my name is Marshila Tillman. Um, I live in Centerville, Georgia. I'm here in the Warner Robins area. I'm um, a first-time mom, a wife to Earl Tillman, as well as a career woman. Um, I work for the federal government with the Department of Defense. And prior to that, I had a long career, well, not that long, nine years in the education sector as a teacher, academic coach, and assistant principal. And so uh, I decided to pivot during the pandemic. And now I'm currently where I am now as a logistician uh, with the federal government. Um, and I'm, I'm the mom of a miracle who we're here to talk about today. So I'm excited. (laughs) Yes, I'm excited too. And so just so people understand the reason that she was introduced to us is because with Operation Miss, we monitor women typically either before they get pregnant to help them show up to pregnancy and then throughout their pregnancy, um, help them remain healthy, avoid unnecessary complications and in medical interventions if possible. And then afterwards, we monitor them to make sure that they recover well. And so because of some parts of Marshila's journey, Miss Pat decided that she would sponsor Marshila to be a missed mom yes. so that she could be monitored and recover well. 
following bed rest in the mm-hmm. hospital. And so just jump into, let's do this first, because one of the things we talked about was a uh, grace to win when we first started talking. And I remember, honestly, I was out walking, going to meet with the co-host of this podcast, Dr. Mm-hmm. Justin and I was in tears listening to your story. And um, so I want people to hear all of your story, not just this part of it, because I truly believe that what happened earlier in your life may have given you the, you know, played a large role in the decisions you made this time. So talk to us about Grace to Win, please. So, yeah. So Grace to Win is a book that I have been writing. I'll stop and then I'll start, but I'm going to finish it this year. And actually, I believe God has taken me in another direction with the title. So I'm toddling between Grace to Win and Pregnant with Purpose. But it all means the exact same thing. So um, I believe my my story, I shared it with you um, when I, in 2017, at the age of 29, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Out of the blue. Never had a mammogram, never found a lump or anything. I was sitting in my room here at the house and I um, saw a stain on my shirt. I thought it was ketchup stain because we finished eating earlier. And so I just, you know, looked and kept doing what I was doing and the stain began to get bigger. So I went and showed my husband, changed my shirt, still not thinking anything. I'm 29, had just been promoted in my career. So I'm on top of the world. And I um, sat back down in my room doing the stuff that I was doing and the stain appeared again. And so I began to get a little nervous, but still not overly concerned. But I called my mom and told her about it. Because my mom was a um, breast cancer survivor. She was diagnosed at 15 and I was her caregiver. So I told her about it and immediately she told me, you need to go to the ER. And that's when I got kind of, you know, alarmed. And so my husband took me to the ER. They, I went in, I still remember the nurse practitioner's face. I went in, talked to him about it. He didn't seem concerned. He said, oh, it's just an infection of the adult, of the milk adult. Gave me a moxicillin and sent me, sent me home. And so I just still, there was something, a, a nervousness in the pit of my gut that said, it's not, a, it's not an infection. Go follow up with your OB. So I, the very next day, followed up with my OB and he told me to come in. And so he initially wasn't concerned either. He said, yeah, it could be a, 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 an infection, but because you're concerned and because of your mom's history, I'll give you a, um, a biopsy. Did the biopsy, scheduled me for the biopsy the following week, went in for the biopsy and, um, you know, came home to recover because they had to put me to sleep for that. And, uh, I went in for my post-op a week later on a Wednesday, May 24th, I think. And, um, the doctor, Dr. Dr. Farmer said, I I went by, let me pause and say, my husband was going to go with me to my, my, uh, post-op. However, I needed him. We had, um, a a graphic apparel company. And so I asked him, Hey, can you stop by Hobby Lobby and get some, some material? And I'll just go to my appointment, not thinking much of it. And he said, yeah. So I went to my appointment. And when she walked in, she walked in with a smile on her face. So I'm, you know, not nervous. And she said, you know, when you were on the table and we were doing your biopsy, uh, I knew everything looked good because you're young, you're healthy, you don't have any issues. She said, but when we sent your um, your labs to the pathology, to the pathologist, uh, it came back with cancer. 
and she said we're so we, we were all so shocked and when i heard those words it's almost as if a calmness came over me which those who know me know that normally as i'm you know i have anxiety i i'm gonna say i had anxiety god delivered Amen. me from, from anxiety but in that moment i became very calm and i said okay and she told me you're gonna have to have a double double mastectomy and chemo and i said okay i said well i'm gonna uh follow up with the cancer treatment centers of america my mom is a patient there so i'll go there so went met my husband and my mom and my in-laws at my house and of course everyone is devastated shocked just absolutely dumbfounded but uh we prayed and that same day i was able to get an appointment with the cancer treatment centers of america they called they they even assigned me to a um, survivor who called me to give to encourage me wow. for what the journey i was about to take well, fast forward i went to my appointment with the cancer treatment center they did everything another biopsy talked to a surgeon and um the surgeon I had to have a right breast mastectomy, not the left breast, but just the right breast mastectomy. And the surgeon said um, I was going to have to have chemo. I didn't want to have chemo. I, just, I got my locks. You know, <laughs> those, those who have locks understand. Uh, or people with hair anyway. But I didn't want to lose my locks. And so I'm, I said, God, I need, I, I don't want to have chemo. But if that's what's best, hey, we I could just save these and reattach them later. And But uh, when I went in to prepare, to start the process for chemo to get the port they came back and said you know we looked over everything and you don't have to have chemo oh. yeah you just have to have 30 rounds of radiation so did all of that rounds of radiation had reconstruction surgery and um that was you know god delivered me from there i almost there was a time in the hospital where uh, my heart rate dropped just like that just by i bottomed out and blacked out but God delivered me from that, and I'm here today to tell yes. that. To tell yes. I'm a cancer survivor, and um, I was 29 years of age. Yep. Wow. So, Marcia, I really want to highlight something about this story before we move forward. You followed your gut. You said the next day you went in to see an OB. Mm -hmm. You know, women. What, what we see happening, and this happened just as recently as last night. So this is really fresh on my mind. And I love the courage that you had to just say, I'm going to keep, I'm going to look to someone else just to get another opinion. There was a young lady and uh, she got discharged from the hospital and she was walking. She was fine. She was like you to and from the NICU, mm -hmm. but, um, but was doing fine. And then about a week afterwards, stopped being able to walk. Mm. So she called into the hospital. They were like, oh, it's probably nothing. <laughs> you know, if something were wrong with your tailbone, which is what we think it is, you wouldn't be able to sit down and just go back home. So she went back home and she stayed there for another week and still mm. could not walk. And so went back to the hospital. They said that it was a, a sciatic nerve issue. Just go back home, mm. gave her medicine. And it's like she cannot move without oh my She is using the bathroom on herself. She is a mm -hmm. mother six now and wow. cannot take care of her newborn and because of sometimes a lack of resources a lack of time you can't you don't follow up with the symptoms soon enough yeah for something to be caught and so she called me and last night i went to go see her 
and she will be going back to a hospital where they will admit her today and mm-hmm. actually get her because I believe her pelvis is actually dislocated, um, got dislocated during delivery. And so I say that to say, if we don't follow up on symptoms, we're the ones that hurt. And we know how rapidly cancer can grow yes. and mm-hmm. spread and attack the rest of our bodies. And doctors, while they are amazing, like your OB that you saw was amazing. It was like, yeah. if it concerns you, it concerns me. And yeah. all I want people to hear is follow your gut mm-hmm. and put people on your team who are willing to investigate your symptoms and trust your gut as well. Yeah. Because had you not, your story could have been completely different. Completely different. And I also want to add that, you know, of course, we trust doctors. They are mm-hmm. the prof- the professionals. They're the experts. However, you're the expert over your own body. And um, we know when something doesn't feel right. We know. And, and if one doctor won't take you seriously, we have to go to another one. Because while they're the expert at what they do, we're the expert at our bodies. We we know when something is off. And I know as African-Americans, there's a stereotype that we have a high tolerance of pain that, you know, it, and a lot of times we don't move on it because of that stereotype and because we're so used to being the be-all, end-all for everything and everybody. But even with the high tolerance of pain and the, you know, busyness of life, we can't take any, we can't take anything at chance. We can't take mm-hmm. anything at chance. Oh, I love, I love that you said that. And I love that your story shows the importance of that. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing that. Yes. Okay, now flash forward, talk to us about this pregnancy. So journey to pregnancy, and then um, tell us what happened leading up to week 17. Yeah. So let me, before pregnancy even happened, my husband and I have been married for um, eight years. And on and off throughout the eight years, we were not trying, we were trying not to, if that makes sense, we weren't trying to um, not get pregnant. so we were, you know, doing everything that you do to get pregnant and it just wasn't happening. <laughs> and so um, by the time I was 26, no, by the time I was um, 28, I said, OK, yeah, I'm going to start going to the doctor because we, you know, we're getting a little older. We've traveled and had so much fun, but now we're ready to really be intentional about having a baby. And it just wasn't happening. So went to the doctor then. And he tried a couple of things. I took, um, what do you call the, I took, I can't remember, the letrozole, Femera, that they give you to kind of help you ovulate, took that. And the following year, which when I turned 29, that's when I was diagnosed with cancer. So we had to stop trying for a while. And so that was devastating because we felt like we were, you know, ready. However, I guess God said, not yet. And so um, when I decided to make the pivot in my career at 21, um, but even before that, I always said when I get um, when I have a baby, I want to be able to work from home or either stay, be a stay at home mom. So once tw- um, 2021 came and I decided to pivot into a new career, that's when we became serious about um, trying. But it still just wasn't happening. My oncologist gave released me to be able to, you know, have a baby after going through everything, dealing with cancer. And so um, it just wasn't happening naturally for us. And so we started looking at fertility treatments. We did two rounds of IUI treatments uh, and those were not successful. (laughs) So they weren't successful. We were devastated. We're driving to Atlanta 
multiple times a week trying to, you know, get pregnant and, and just nothing happened. And so my mom, who's a um, pastor, she said, you know, I don't know why y'all are trying fertility treatments. You're going to get pregnant naturally. She said it just kind of very, <laughs> just very matter of fact. And I was like, oh, my goodness, just support us in this process. She was like, oh, I mean, I support you, but it's not going to happen that way. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to talk to her about this anymore. We want to have a baby. We're going to do IVF. And so we um, we set up the consultation for IVF, which was supposed to be March 2022. Um, March 21st, I think, 2022. And so my mom called me out the blue one day and said, God said you're going to be pregnant by the 15th. And I rolled my eyes. And I'm like, this is the same lady who doesn't support us doing fertility treatment. And it wasn't that she didn't support us. It's just that she know what she heard and what she prayed for. And her faith is so strong that it doesn't matter what it looks like, what it feels like, what it seems like. She stands on what she heard God say. Yeah. And I'm, I'm now at that place. But it took my journey in pregnancy to get there. And so um, January 15 came. I didn't think anything else about it. We're still waiting on our uh, IVF appointment in March. So um, my husband went out of town to North Dakota. He came back and February the 15th, something just told day after Valentine's Day, I was laying in bed and I just said something just said, take a pregnancy test out of the blue. Take a pregnancy test. I took a pregnancy test and laid the test on. I'm so used to getting no's and negatives. It, it was so at that point we had like a thousand negatives. So yeah. it just became routine. So I'm thinking it's going to be a negative. I took the test laid it on the nightstand and laid, but I didn't even wait for the five, 10 minutes, however many minutes it goes by. I didn't even wait for that. I laid it on the nightstand and went into bed and my husband came to bed. The light was off and I picked up my phone to plug it up before going to, before going to sleep and the light from my phone, it is almost as if it, highlighted the test <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it shot on the test and out of my peripheral vision i saw two lines and i said oh. i was so shocked i said girl it's positive i picked it up and showed him he was he was in disbelief oh. he, he made me t i think that night i took maybe six or seven tests <laughs> before he finally believed before i finally believed <laughs> like okay i'm pregnant then when i told my mom i said oh my god it's February the 15th. <laughs> it's the 15th, just like you said. And we didn't have to do IVF. So wow. uh, that that process went by. I called Shady Grove Fertility. And I said, hey, I need to cancel my consultation appointment. And they wanted to know why I said, because I'm pregnant. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. And so, oh. <laughs> yes. And so that, that, that was a whirlwind, like a, a out-of-body experience. Made it through that process, you know, started my um, appointments with my amazing OB and um, everything was just very unproblematic, normal. And then we found out we were having a girl and we set the, the week of my 17th gestation. I began to feel pain in my um, lower abdomen area that I've never felt before. It was very excruciating pain. And so I called my doctor. And she told me to come in that Friday. That was May the, I think, 23rd, if I'm not mistaken, to come in that Friday. And they gave me an ultrasound. And they said, well, the baby is fine. Everything looks good. It looks normal. It, you're probably just having Braxton Hicks 
or either uh it's just what the word the where the baby is sitting and i was like okay still did not feel like that was it so went home and i woke up at like two in the morning the pain was so severe i couldn't walk i couldn't um uh, i couldn't do anything and so my husband took me to the hospital in macon and they admitted me just for a few hours and they did the same thing the ultrasound checked the baby baby was moving fine everything looked fine so they gave me fentanyl i think that's what you, how you pronounce it for pain they didn't do anything and for as far as i'm concerned it felt like i took a tylenol or something <laughs> <laughs> or a placebo but <laughs> not a placebo <laughs> it didn't do a thing and so um they they released me around 10 that morning and but I, I i was home no more than 15 minutes when uh let me back up no more before before um my water broke i'll get to that the doctor called me my ob called to follow up and i told her she she wanted to know how the pain was that's what i loved about her that on her off day she called me so wow. she remembered that i was in pain and so i um told her hey, i'm still in pain it didn't work and so she said well you know follow up monday as soon as we hung up the phone i felt a bit gush I didn't know what that was, but I knew it wasn't, it, it wasn't, I heard a pop first and then felt a bit gush. And so I immediately called her back, couldn't get, get in touch with her. She called me back within five minutes and I told her and she said, you need to come to my, meet me at my office. The office was closed, but she said, meet me at my office. You need to come. And I began to have little subtle cramps. I didn't know what that, I mean, I'm first time pregnancy. I didn't know what that was. Right. And so my husband took me to her office on the Saturday and um, she took every, it's just her there. So she did everything. She gave me a, uh, she did a firm, a firm test to um, see if that was amniotic fluid. She, um, and so she brought me to the, to, to her office and did the swab, everything. And um, she came back with tears in her eyes and she said, um, Yo, it was it was your 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 amniotic fluid. Your water broke, and she said, "Normally, what happens after this? Um, within forty eight hours, you'll probably have a miscarriage." And so she told me about my options about termination, and um, and I asked her, I said, Did you, "Have you ever had a?" We're, we're devastated. My husband and I are shocked, devastated. I'm still having these cramps, and so she said, "You're um, you're in labor. You're having those are contractions, and um, when that happens." You, you'll probably miscarry within 48 hours. And I can't even begin to explain the feeling that we had. Everything was so perfect and then this. Yeah. And so uh, I asked her, you know, have you ever had a success story? And she said, no, but hopefully you'll be my first success story. And wow. so uh, I made up in my mind right then and there that I would be. <laughs> And yeah. so uh, she talked about, you know, termina it wasn't that she was advocating for termination, but, you know, as a medical professional, you have to give all the risks. You have to give everything. Yeah. And so I told her, no, we, my husband and I both, we were not going to have, um, we're not going to have an abortion. We're not going to terminate. Whatever term you want to use, we're not going to do that. And yeah. so she left out and came back. She had been crying. And so um, it was Saturday, but she made some phone calls to uh, um, maternal fetal medicine doctor and he was able to fit us in that following week and so that's if we didn't miscarry but it, it, uh, in the event that you don't miscarry which is very likely you will then you're going to go to disappointment and so Marcella, we can Marcella, hold on mm -hmm. this story is so good so good <laughs> but I just want to pause for a minute 
it makes all the difference when a provider believes with you. When mm-hmm. a provider, let me just say this, not even that they have to believe what you believe, but that they put things in place in case what you believe comes to pass. That makes yes. a huge difference. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. keep going, keep going. Keep yes. Going. <laughs> and so uh, we, we went home. At, my mom rushed to us. Uh, we, you know, our village prayed we instantly began to we didn't tell a lot of people but we told my mom and that my mom told you know her prayer warriors because when i'm going through something i can't talk about it i just and at that moment we were so devastated oh my goodness we were extremely devastated my husband is not a crier however he was really like a big ball of tears of course and uh so for i think it was father's day before father's day i ordered this book i wish i had the book but I ordered this book and it was a personalized book for him. And it had her name, something about Sana Loves Daddy. And wow. so uh, I'm like, wow, I just ordered this book. And now this. And it's almost as if the enemy kept telling me you're going to you're going to miscarry because the pain, the pain was still there. I'm still having cramps more frequently contraction. But I put myself on bed rest. I did research about uh, the prom pre P prom foundation. So let me pause and say I was diagnosed with P-prom, which is, um, I think it's pre-prom is pretty much premature rupture of the membrane. Yeah. And so uh, I was diagnosed with that. And I went to, I, I, I stayed in the bed. I didn't do anything. My husband went and bought all the vitamins that the Prom Foundation said to buy vitamin E, vitamins, everything. Wow. Um, I, I watched top TikTok videos. I even reached out to a TikTok doctor, <laughs> um, um, a maternal fetal health health. Um, maternal fetal medicine doctor and asked her because she she made a video on pre-prom and so i reached out on her on instagram and asked her about um success stories is there any hope she messaged me back and said there's no research that supports this regimen that you're talking about and um the success is slim to none and i'm like oh every time i heard that my heart just you know, and then mm-hmm. I, I remembered we're gonna stand on faith. It doesn't yeah. matter what we feel, yeah, we're going to stand on faith. <laughs> and, and so uh went to the first MFM doctor that following week. He wasn't there, he let me see his nurse, his midwife. And so uh I wanted to speak with him. And so the midwife was very sweet, very knowledgeable. They did an ultrasound and they discovered that there was no amniotic fluid. All wow. of the fluid that left left and there wasn't any there. So my baby went from having a full tank of gas, so to speak, to being on E. And and so I asked her, like, what happens next? She said, well, babies can't develop without amniotic fluid. So what happens is you miscarry or either terminate. And so um, the MFM called me and um said yeah he 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 was a very strong proponent of termination not because of his personal beliefs but he gave, he gave the science according to the science your baby cannot grow without amniotic fluid and if she happens to survive he said which is a 1% chance that she'll survive she's going to come out um ment- mentally um uh, incapable she's going to come out restricted her limbs aren't going to grow She's brain. He just talked, gave all of the negatives. And he said, you're young. His exact words were, you're young and you can terminate now. And your husband, you all still have 
mm. a chance to get pregnant and have a very healthy baby. He said, I know people who have gone through this. They terminated and they were able to get pregnant and have a healthy pregnancy. And so he said, and if you don't terminate, then you have about a 5% chance. Uh, he said, because you could have, without amniotic fluid, you could get an infection. And if you get an infection, you have a 5% chance of survival. And I said, I said, what's the percent of my baby surviving? And he said, one. I said, I'll take that 1%. Mm. I'll take that one percent, and so um, he wanted to make another appointment, and I said, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look for another MFL because at this point, you're not believing with me. I understand the science. I 100 mm. percent understand the science. However, mm. I need someone who can at least give me a l little hope, <laughs> and he wasn't. It. And so um, I found an MFM on Facebook. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Dr. Misty Patel. I'll never forget her. Uh, um, I typed in this lady, one of my Facebook friends posted, I, I typed in MFM, um, maternal fetal medicine doctors, Macon, Georgia. And this lady posted a status about this amazing doctor in Macon that, that helped save her baby. And so I found, she tagged the doctor. I, I, um, clicked on the doctor's name and I kind of kept it in my memory bank. So that following week, I called my doctor and said, I want to be transferred to Dr. Misty Patel, this doctor. And so the, the nurse said, unfortunately, because you've already started a process with another um, provider, they don't, Atrium Health don't allow pretty much switcheroos uh, or transfers. And I said, okay. So we prayed. <laughs> I don't take no for an answer. Girl, no, me at either. all. I don't. <laughs> and so we prayed and I said, okay. I called back the next day. I would like to be um, transferred to Dr. Misty Patel. And so the nurse called me back and said, you know what? I'm going to um, send a referral. They normally don't accept referrals, but I'm going to send a referral for you. She said, uh, just stand by. Got the appointment just like that. <laughs> wow. so oh, my I, goodness. I share that part to just encourage your listeners and your viewers to be persistent. Yes. Don't take no for an answer. If, yes. the, front, if, if the front door closes, go through the back. So go through Girl. the window. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wait. Okay. So I have to tell you this. I don't know that you know this about my story. So I had preeclampsia and um, my midwife caught it, but she's the one who delivered my first child. And, okay. and the neat thing though, was that when I got pregnant, I called her and I said, Hey, I'm pregnant. I want to have another home birth. And she said, I'm so sorry, Catherine, I'm retired. And I said, oh, no. She was like, yeah, I've had some things happen in my life. I just, I'm not delivering babies anymore. And I was like, oh, and I, you know, listened to her and everything that was going on. And then um, I hung up with her. My husband said, okay, so what, what's the process now? I said, we call back next week. And he was like, what? <laughs> We're going to keep calling back. So she says, yes, she is going to deliver my child. And when I called back the next time, she said, no, again. And then I called back. She's like, Okay, Catherine, I will come out of retirement for you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and she saved my life. You know? Wow. And I just think about what you said with persistence. Sometimes we give up after the first no, but when we watch our children, as you watch to not uh, develop, it's like they do the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again. And that is how they learn to walk, yep. to, walk to sit, mm -hmm. to grow. And we as adults, for some reason, we hear no, and then we don't ask again but but that yes 
could be the thing that saves our life. Yes, yes. Yeah. So keep going, keep going, keep going. Yes. <laughs> and so we we made the appointment, went to the hospital to meet with um Dr. Patel and her team. And so she started the process. And so she told us, she, she gave us the statistics and the science. She said, but if you choose to uh, move forward with this pregnancy, we're going to do everything in our power to save you and this baby. That's all we need to hear. That's all mm -hmm. I wanted was someone to say, I I'm not ignorant to the statistics and the science and the research. However, we just needed someone to say, but, yeah. all we but that's all we needed. And so we started the process. They admitted me to do uh, 24, I think it was 24, 48 hours of antibiotics course. The antibiotics was basically for, um, to help prevent infection. So, we, and then she sent me home on, on, on a seven day course. And she said, if you make it to 22 weeks, first she said 23 weeks. If you make it to 23 weeks, that's viability in the state of Georgia. If you make it, then we're going to admit you for the duration of your pregnancy. And I said, what about 22 weeks? <laughs> What about if I make it to 22 weeks? She said, okay, if you make it to 22 weeks and five days, then when I said, okay, we'll do that. She said, but you're going to stay on bed rest, drink all your water, do everything I needed to do. She sent me home. I was on bed rest for, totally from um, the day that my water broke in May until June um, 26th. I was at mid. I made it until that day. The only time I got out of bed was to shower, you know, that kind of stuff, as well as when I would have, I would have weekly appointments with her, with her team, just to check on things. Every single week they checked, there was no amniotic fluid. Mm -hmm. I was also diagnosed with anhydramnios. I think that's how you pronounce it. So that's basically um, no amniotic fluid. And so, of course, every time they check, I would see the looks on their faces, but we would praise God. My husband and I, we, um, you know, our mom and pastors, they were, our team was praying and we, we sowed seeds ever, every week we made it to another week, we would get, get our cash app or Zelle and sow into the ministry. So into the woman or man of God, every single week we would make it. And that was our, what some people call blood seed for Sana for her life. We saw every every single week we saw it that we made it. And so my husband would celebrate every week. We make he would bring me a gift, whether it was flowers, something. And we would it was a big celebration. And I would yeah. post on Facebook. We made it, you know, to week um twenty-two. We made it to week twenty-three every week. So we were admitted. And oh, the week before we were admitted, I began to bleed. And of course, blood is a horrible sign of anything going on. And so they admitted me. For uh for observation, sent me home, and so I then I was admitted that Sunday. I right. stayed from uh, week twenty two and five until I delivered it at the. But I'm 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 moving forward. But let me stop right there. Yes, yes. <laughs> so when when we got into the hospital, that was very hard because um, just hearing every it was scary every day. I didn't know if this was going to be the day where when they put me on the monitor, her heart was not going to, cause I know she didn't have amniotic fluid. How in the world is she growing? How is that even possible? Based yes. on everything that, you know, the medical profession say that's not possible. And so it's not that she wasn't making amniotic fluid. She was because amniotic fluid is just baby urine. Mm -hmm. I was leaking it out. Every time she would uh, urine, I it would come out in big gushes, blood as well as amniotic fluid. And so, 
every time the doctor would come in, she would tell me, you know, tell me the reality of things. And I would say, but we're going to make it. We're, we're yeah. going to make, we never, we never lost that faith. We always spoke life and prayed over Sanaa. Yeah. Um, blessed is the peace of Sanaa. We prayed over her every single, every single day. And yeah. I stayed in that bed. I got out the bed to shower to at every, my husband to break up the boredom. He would go and get a wheelchair, put me in the wheelchair and just push me outside just to get some sunlight because we were in the yeah. hospital for 59 days. <laughs> so yeah, just to get some sunlight, he would push me out to, you know, try to kind of get, keep me up. He get, get brought board games. Yeah. He did anything that he could to just kind of lift my spirits and keep us motivated. He really girl, girl. Oh my goodness. And I feel like this doesn't even need to be said, but, but it does. The person you have a baby with, I was the just, person yes. you do life with, no, you, you, I, I just, it makes a huge difference, you know? Um, and like you said, having prayer warriors and people in your life, but that, that husband, there is nothing oh that replaces a good husband, a faith-filled husband who will yes. pray for you, who will support you, who will encourage you, who bring games to you and stay by your side. It is not easy. Everybody has life going on, finances um, to consider, mm -hmm. but all of that was put to the side because you see some people and they say, well, you know, I got to work for my family. I would be there, but I have to work for my family. But yeah. your husband said, I will provide for my family. I will be there for my I family. I will be there, yes. Right? And so mm -hmm. please, whatever flowers you want to give to him, do <laughs> because men are the solution to the maternal yes. health crisis. I will never, never 100% me otherwise, mm -hmm. right? They take that role in our prayer work. What else mm -hmm. can we not, what can we not do with a strong family, with a strong husband and people around us who believe? Oh like it's so important. And uh, out of 59 days, he, he, stayed home one day that's because my mom wanted to stay <laughs> and she wanted to stay more days but he was like mm -mm, i, I want to be there <laughs> wow so um but yes it's it's so important it, and it made the world of difference because when i was two weeks there were moments where i was just ready to go home i was so weak and just scared and just like you know what i'm tired this is this is a lot I'm tired of, you know, I had to have injections every single day because of, you know, um, because of, uh, what do you call it? Blood thinners. I had to have those injections every day. I had to take, I don't know how many pills I had to undergo. I, you don't get rest in the hospital because they come in every two to three hours. I mean, <laughs> you don't get rest. And at one point I was like, mm -mm. Tw after, after 1130, please don't come in. I need a break. So they put a sign on the door. No, um, <laughs> don't come in after after eleven thirty. <laughs> so it it was a lot, and, and um, every day we was like, we're gonna pray to make it because they it, they say if you make it to thirty four week, that increases your chance of surviving the baby being fine. And so, however, the week of well, week thirty was that uh, August the sixteenth. The that Sunday, I began to have pain. And I'm like, this is this sound, this feels very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> and so the residence doctors, they was like, oh, you're just having um irritable you um 
your your uterus is just irritated. And I'm like, no, they gave me Tylenol, and I'm like, Mm-mm. this doesn't feel right. So uh, I had those cramps, those pains, all of Saturday. I mean, all of Sunday, all of um, most of Monday. And so my MFM doctor came in, and I, and so they they would put me on a monitor, and they said, well, yeah, no, you're not having contractions, so it's just <laughs> irritation. I'm like, oh, bro, y'all, y'all don't know what y'all doing. That's what, at this point, I'm irritated because you know you had contractions before, right? And I'm irritated, and, I, and I'm about, I'm about to like say some words that are not godly. <laughs> so when my MFM came in, I said, hey, is is it um a thing to be able to have contractions and they're not found on the monitor? And she said, yeah, especially when you're when you're um. What do you call it? Um, when you're early mm-hmm. at your gestation, yeah, especially doing that because I was 29 weeks at the time, and so I, that's all I need to hear. And I said, okay, because I started snitching. This doctor said, blah 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 blah, and so she was like, well, let's let's have them check you. They checked me, and how many centimeters was? I was four centimeters <laughs> dilated. <laughs> <laughs> it and i couldn't wait for that doctor that gave me tylenol to come back in and say i told you i was having contractions <laughs> right <laughs> so the doctor said oh you're having a baby they rushed me to the labor and delivery to l and d because i was in an antepartum war so they rushed me to l and d they prepped me did everything i was so hungry but you know at that point you can't eat anything <laughs> and i'm like baby don't come i need some food don't come but they wouldn't let me they wouldn't let me eat so my mom rushed up there because you know my mama she's that's one of my best friends she's not going to miss a thing yes so she came they put me in the room room 301 everybody came so put me on the monitor that was this black um nurse i think her name was charmaine something she was a travel nurse and she came and said, let me put the monitor on you again. And she placed it in a way that no one has placed it before. And it picked up the contractions like that. Wow. She said, you've been having contractions. She said, most nurses don't know how to. She said, because you don't normally get these type of tests until you're, you know, 30 plus week, 37, 30, whatever week. She said, but in your case, your baby is small. So you have to know where to place the monitor and where she placed it she said you yeah you're having contractions and so and i said god thank you for confirming that because in my mind i'm like i know this but it's not picking up so Mm -hmm. so i was um i was of course i was in active labor and i kept saying god let me make it to 30 weeks because they would say if you can make if if you make it each week is progress of course first if you make it to 29 weeks that's a good. If you make it to 30 weeks, that's even better. If you make, you know, and I said, God, let me make it to 30 weeks. Wow. I turned 30 weeks, August, August the 16th, 2022. The baby came, Sana came at 11, 11 a.m. on August the 16th, 2022. <laughs> Excuse me. And um, she came out screaming, crying, <laughs> kicking. Move everything the prior MFM said that wouldn't happen, happen. Mm. Even in the Bible, it said, and the opposite occurred. Mm. Everything that was said, everything the science says, everything mm. the statistics says, the opposite happened. Every yeah. single thing. And so yeah. I didn't know it at the time, but 
a, a doctor was in there, one of the head chiefs in the hospital. She came in. She wasn't, you know, the on the MFM team, but she came in and stood in the back. And then when I was getting ready to um, push the baby out, she came up and, and helped support that. I didn't know that she was in there. Part of her reasons for being in there was to uh, witness the outcome. And she texted my OB that I hadn't seen since I transitioned to the high-risk doctor to let her know um, your patient's baby made it. And she wow. <laughs> she's here. And she said, uh, and, and I found that out because the day that I had the baby, they put me in the um, postpartum room and they took the baby to the NICU. And the doctor, she came to visit me, my OB. She had she had just had a baby. So she was there for her postpartum apart, appointment. And when she got the test, she found me and came to my room. And she said, you know, the doctor who was in there was texting me. She said, you know, have you heard of APGAR score? And I said, no, I've never heard of that. She said, and she told me what that was. I, I know, you know, you know what, I, I can't really explain. It's like a score, two scores to kind of predict how well the baby will do. And, and she said the average score, I think she said for one of them is an, is a eight and the other one is a, I can't remember. I, I don't know. Like I don't, seven or above, they look in. Seven or above. Like she said, your baby who developing your wound without amniotic fluid scored an eight and a nine. <laughs> and she started to, she started to cry. She said, I, you asked me, had I ever had a success story? And I said, no. And I hope you, I, I hope you were my first one. I said, I'm your first success story. <laughs> <laughs> so baby Sana, she spent um, eight weeks in the NICU, came out. Um, she, she had to be on CPAP machine, low flow CPAP, but everything else completely normal, doing very well. I don't know. Earth, can you bring her in here? Because I, I want you to, I want you all to meet the miracle. Yes. Yes. If you want to meet now, we want to keep going. But no, please. Uh, whenever he, whenever he brings the baby, we will see the baby. Yes. Okay. The miracle that, ba according to statistics, yes. wasn't supposed to be here. Yeah. That from week seventeen until thirty, no amniotic fluid. I, it, it still blows my mind how this little girl was able to grow yes. and develop without amniotic fluid. <laughs> Because I don't before know. he because he formed her in your womb before yes. you even knew her. That's why. Yes, yes, he, yes. He is yes. in control. Total yes. control. And science can only uncover so much, which is why research will continue to be done because we were designed divinely. We were yes. not designed by man. Yes. And so what you experience is what I think more people would experience mm -hmm. if they had your faith. If they had your husband, yeah. if they had your team, if they had your patience, mm -hmm. if they had your resilience, it is hard to for me to sit for an hour, right? You stayed in bed for over 50 days, almost 60 days, because you believed that your miracle could happen. Yeah. And the thing of it is, too, sometimes people, I have, I have heard people and they're made to feel bad about following or going against the odds, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, are you really going to put your baby in that kind of danger? And yourself, yeah. Worth it, right? You can just do this again, not realizing that we didn't do it in the first place. We didn't put that baby in there. Yeah. So if we just let control go, 
and follow the best advice, the hydration, the resting. Mm-hmm. Like y'all put your entire lives on hold so yeah. that you could see this come to fruition. If we had more of that, then we would have more miracle babies. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, definitely. And and you know, uh, I joined some different groups on Facebook with that pertains to this. And there were people who babies didn't make it. They got sick and I'm and every time I would read that I would get, you know, feel like, oh my goodness. And I would pray that the opposite mm-hmm. would happen. Yeah. And so there are some people who they listened to the doctor and had um they terminated their pregnancies. But they they came on and said, Oh my God, had I known about this group, I would have held on a little longer. Yeah. I would have, you know, done some more research on my own. And it you know, it's just it's devastating that people, I, 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 my heart goes out to those people because I, I said, wow, I can't imagine had we t- taken that advice, yeah. our, but we would have, we wouldn't have known. So I told God, God, if you, if you um, save me and my baby, if you save my baby, I promise you, I'll tell the world of this. Yes. I won't keep it to myself. Yeah. I'll advocate for other mothers, other babies. I, I, just, I won't keep it to myself. I will do what I, what I'm supposed to do because this came from you. And so this process, I, I was in the, I was in the bed, including home as in the hospital for a total of 90 days, but I was in the hospital for 59 days. And so during this process, it not only did it build my faith, it, I saw my husband transform into a totally new person. Uh, he transformed our marriage because it's like, wow, we are really, we are really made to, fight together not fight each other but fight circumstances together and together we can we can do some things oh my goodness and so it really it 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 changed my life and the lives of those around me who were able to you know witness the process and uh it it really oh man and even my doctor said my when it it changed my doctor's life because she's like, Oh my goodness. I've been practicing for umpteen years and I've never had, I haven't had one success. So everybody that this happens to in her experience have lost their baby. Wow. But there is one, let me see. Yeah. Yes. And so I just want, and even those who, there are some people who have reached out to me, they uh, decided to end the pregnancy. And I told them, I said, you know, um don't beat yourself up about that right that's that's right. over and done with don't beat yourself up about it god's grace is sufficient he doesn't hold things over our head you didn't yeah. know you listen to you know what people but for me come here i just want to show the miracle but for me this is what we, we decided to hold on and trust god yeah that doctor who yes yes, yes. The, the miracle that doctors you know according to science that she wasn't supposed to be able to move her limbs yes, <laughs> yes. yes. do all those things she just woke up but this is sana iriah tillman our miracle baby <laughs> she's looking like why did you wake me up <laughs> yes man so this that's a blessing yeah, this is the miracle. She's getting over um, the flu and and croup, so she's still a little bit congested. Oh. But she, but she's she's perfect. She's she absolutely perfect. perfect. She is perfect. Yeah. And when I tell you, you know, it's funny. People don't understand the toll that going to and from the NICU 
can oh have on your body. Yeah. But you can. Like, what is, is neat about Miss Pat oh, is that she is a yes, girl. Talk about her. She's amazing, Ooh. right? Let me tell you something. First, I have to give a shout out to my sister, Fanika Miller. Fanika um, connected us together. I didn't know Miss Pat, who she was or any of her services before Fanika called and said, sis, you know, she she um, followed our story and she wanted to connect. Us. She's a, a, oh my goodness, I can go all day about Fanika. But uh, she connected me with Miss Pat. Miss Pat came and this lady is a wealth of knowledge. She's a registered nurse. And first of all, no shade to doulas all over the world, but to have a doula who's also has that medical piece, that health piece, she's a wealth of knowledge. Not only is she a, a phenomenal doula, she's an amazing lactation consultant, amazing support. She's a prayer warrior. I mean, she told me about you and, and I'm like, girl, I trust you now. I trust you with my life because you connected me with Miss Catherine. Um, she's you all are absolutely amazing. And so I wasn't able to, she helped me, um, with the breastfeeding piece because of uh, my prior cancer history. I knew it was going to be difficult and because I'm only working with one breast. However, miss, uh, I, I'm more knowledgeable on breastfeeding. Although I had to, you know, result to formula feeding, which it fed is best, whether it's breast or formula. And, um, but she taught me the correct way of breastfeed. I was able to get out some uh, colostrum and she just, she really and truly made me feel successful in this journey to new motherhood, to going back and forth to the NICU. She lended her services to come here to uh, and offer it to help us when the baby came home and just, oh my goodness. When, it, when we get pregnant again, which I know is going to happen, I'm, she's going to be my doula bef before before I get prepared. I'm like, listen, let me go ahead and, and um, hire your services as well as Operation Miss. I've been telling the world, everybody who I can talk to about, listen, this is, uh, have you heard of Operation Miss? This is what, because being able to wear the watch make me, and to have someone, you know, monitoring, it also made me more cognizant of, making sure I get more rest, making sure I'm drinking the water, making sure I'm not stressing. Because I remember you would text me, hey, what's going on? <laughs> and I'm like, Durr, I forgot somebody was watching. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you're right. I didn't get a lot of rest last night. And so <laughs> ever since then, although my, uh, you know, I need to be, I need to be more consistent with wearing it now. But ever since then, I have been, intentional about getting the rest intentional about drinking my water and not stressing because i think about the services you provide and it's so needed for women and it's like wow people yeah you all you all changed my life for real um i know you told me to talk about miss pat but i had to just throw that in because i'm forever grateful for operation miss the work that you do i think it's needed all not just in this area but all over because y'all are Y'all are bad to the bone. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. And I have to tell you, your story, the reason I think someone just had a baby, it took five days. So she got admitted to hospital. She was scared by her doctor. He told her that, you know, her placenta was dead, that she was being selfish, mm -hmm. keeping the baby, you know, inside. She just needs to go ahead and have a C-section. And as a mom, you know, it's so hard to, when you hear that, to say, okay, no, I still trust my body. I still trust 
my design. I still mm-hmm. trust that the baby can come out vaginally. And she had had a C-section her first birth. And I told her your story. Mm-hmm. And she was like, if she could do it for that long, <laughs> I can persist for five days, you know, yes. however long it takes. And that's what, yeah. that's what she kept asking me. How long do I wait? Wait as long as it takes. Your mm-hmm. baby's fine. You're fine. Just, just wait. And yeah. when I tell you, she had her baby vaginally, and now she's like you, yeah. telling like shouting from the rooftops, <laughs> the goodness of God, and you know the miracle of her story. It is that you help providers have st- who have faith because my faith. When I tell you, people are like, "Girl, I don't know where you get this faith from," <laughs> but I don't. I don't know either. But I'm grateful for it because I take literally when the first time I saw a mustard seed. And then I, I, you know, remember the Bible verse about it being able to move mountains if you have faith that size. I thought, what? Why not believe? Right. You know, what's the harm in believing? Because right. even when I do listen to women who, you know, they do what you did, and then it doesn't turn out the way that they wanted to, they don't regret right. the time that they that they had with the baby. Mm-hmm. They don't regret the relationship that you know the relationships that grew as a part of the process. They don't regret a lot of things. They, they more so, I feel that more people regret it when they say, well, what if I had stood on faith? What if Mm -hmm. I had, you know, tried? And so as a provider, I need more stories like yours so that we can share with moms and they can say, wow, if she can do it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. If she can do it, I could try it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how many times I've told your story, maybe a hundred times. And so that's why I thought, <laughs> Thank you. On the podcast so she could tell her own story <laughs> because hearing it from you, the detail that you went into, it lets people know it's not easy, mm-hmm. but it's possible. It's, it's yeah. possible. When you said that, she said, they said 1%, 2%, 5%. Great. You're like, wait, there is some possibility. Right. I'll take this. it. <laughs> like as crazy as that sounds, mm. that's all God needs is is that 1%? I give it to him. And whatever his will is, I didn't want his will to be where we end up, you know, in the opposite direction. However, and, and you're right, even when the outcome isn't the same, it the the transformation that you go through during the process. Yeah. And e- because even if they say, oh, you're not, it doesn't matter what it is, cancer, whatever. Oh, your loved one only has a month to survive, but they survive six months. That's a miracle of, God has to finally say, even, you know, God wins, even if the outcome isn't what we think it, it should be, if, if what we wanted it to be. And so yeah. you're absolutely right. It's more than just, uh, this process was more than just me having a baby. It yeah. was life changing for myself, my husband, and so many strangers, so many people who have, that I don't even know who reached out because they heard the story or read about the story. And so, it's, it's, it's just so important for women and men to just listen to your gut. And uh, I remember um, Pastor William Murphy when I had cancer. I went to his church at the Dream Center, and he told me to guard my ear gate. He didn't even know I had cancer, but he said, God said, guard your ear gate. Be careful what you who and who you allow inside your ear. And and I took that to mean in, um, in addition to being careful not to not to listen to negativity, but also guard where I allow it, where I think 
what I allow into my mind. So no, and I try to be intentional in this process, in this experience, as well as prior experiences to make sure even when I'm feeling like, oh my goodness, it's going to be bad. I, I immediately debunk that, that thought process with something positive. And uh, I remember one time I asked my mom, I was like, you said it's my winning season, but it doesn't feel like it. it. I just, I'm feeling depressed, but you keep saying, you know, God says you're winning. And so she said, um, it's winter outside, right? And I said, yeah. She said, but when you walk outside, it feels warm. But just because of how it feels doesn't mean it's not winter. Oh. She said, so we can't go off of what we feel to determine what season we're in. Mm. I, I kept that in my heart because I'm like, wow, you're right. Just like now it's, it's January. We're it, it's supposed to be cold outside. However, it's warm, but that doesn't mean it's spring. That doesn't mean the seasons change. It's just the weather has changed. So I said, wow, she said, so just because it doesn't feel like it, that doesn't mean your season has changed. You can't go by what you feel. And so even when you're going through, um, pregnancy complications, whatever the health scare is, we may feel like, one thing but we have to stand on our faith we have yes. to be persistent this despite what it feels like and if doctors say i had a doctor when uh, my baby was in the hospital um i was determined like, okay if you all don't give her she had to go in the hospital last week because of the um the flu symptoms just overnight and so i said uh i had made up my mind if they say no i'm gonna say okay put it in her records that you said no yeah <laughs> put it yeah. in her records and, and I've been um, intentional to make sure to practice that e even doing any, anything, any medical scare. If, if I feel like, okay, I need more testing for this, or I feel this, they say, no, okay. Can you put that in my records that you said? No, that you're yeah. denying me uh, additional testing. Yeah. Although I, I, I'm telling you, this is what I feel. <laughs> yeah. And they change their mind every time. <laughs> they every go ahead. And do time, it. <laughs> right. There has to be a hack for getting our symptoms, you know, looked at and investigated. And that is, you know, what I realized is when people have data, so someone may be given a medication and their data is really looking like they're sick. They're given medication, their data does not get better. That gives a woman what she needs sometimes to say, I'm going to go back and ask again, because I know that they're saying this is working, but my body is telling me that it is not. And yeah. we should not have to have that data, though. We should not have to bring something to a doctor and say, look, this is what I'm seeing. Right. This, they should just say, it feels wrong. Let us investigate. Mm -hmm. but the good thing is what you are telling everyone is be persistent. Stand up for yourself. We tell our kids to do it in school. Why do we stop doing what that you, as adults? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm stand up we've got to ask for more testing we've got to make sure that we hold the people accountable who are supposed to be taking care of us take care of us take care of our children because if we don't we lose if our husbands don't protect us we lose you know mm -hmm. they lose our relationships don't get stronger when our husbands step back and just let right. things happen to us when they could stand up and protect us mm -hmm. without without information though then we all, we just default to the doctor. So what I feel is as a husband, as a support person, default to what you're, the person who is birthing or who's going through the situation feels. So if we just make that our default instead yeah. of what the medical system says sometimes, every time, because I'm a physical therapist, so I am part of the medical system, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm also a faith-based professional. I love and it, yes. I believe more 
in God than I do in science. Mm-hmm. That is, at the end of the day, that is the difference. And that makes the difference in a person who is also faith filled. And yes. so I think that you were, you were surrounded by both. And you know, the neat thing is that because of that, you have positively impacted a lot of people's lives more than you know, more than the person who walked in to witness, oh, to witness the miracle. Yes. More people where you changed from that practice. So they knew you came to this practice. So all of them knew Dr. Mm -hmm. Patel, I will refer everyone to her. Thanks to you. Yeah, Um, she's amazing. Amazing. Right. And so Mm -hmm. you have done what you were called to do, you know, as a woman daughter of God, um, and you're stronger as a result, your whole family, your life, your outlook. Mm-hmm. I remember one time I reached out to you and you said, oh, I won't be able to, um, it, it, it was like, you're not going to be able to adjust today because you were going back to the cancer center. And it was yeah. like, okay, my, my dad is going to be off for a few days, but this is what we're doing. This is important to me. And that, that matters, wow. you know, yeah. mm-hmm. that you're able to say, and I think that that's what people don't get. It's not about wearing the watch. It's about awareness. Now mm-hmm. you're aware. This is what makes me stressed. This doesn't. Okay, I can do this for a couple of days, but then I have to get back on track because you didn't survive this pregnancy only to to have a poor quality of life afterwards. Right. You yes. Survived the pregnancy so that you could thrive and spend the rest of your life with your family mm-hmm. and be in good health. You yeah. know, you came that we would have life and have it more abundantly, and right. not we would give our lives over to the medical system and then end up mm-hmm. living in poor quality. Exactly. And, and you know, I also want to um, add that for, it, it's so important. I love that you said you're a physical therapist, but you're faith filled and you believe God, because I love when I meet medical professionals like yourself who lead with their faith and lead with, you know, what they know God to be and who they know God to be. I met, um, well, I didn't, I've, I've known her all my life, but she's, she wasn't my doctor. She's a, an OB um, doctor, Tawana Gilliard. She's out of South Carolina, but um, I reached out to her via Facebook just for, you know, advice. And she, you know, told me usually this is what happened. But she said, but we're going to pray and ask God. And and she when I tell you, she prayed a prayer and she was so she would reach out to me, you know, every once in a while via um, Facebook just to check and see how I was doing. And I would give her um, my progress on what, you know, I went to the doctor today. This is what happened, whatever, whatever. And so just to meet people and be connected to people who are doctors and, you know, dentists. And, you know, my, my dentist is a um, faith, powerful woman of God. So just to meet people who they, you all have these credentials, you've done the work, the training, and but you still lead with your faith and with God. To me, that is so powerful. And I, I always want to surround myself, go to doctors and, dentists and physical therapists who I know are men and women of God because yes you you do your job and you do it well but you you pray before you go to work and you ask God to lead you in caring for the people who have entrusted you've been entrusted to take care of and I just think that's so that is so so important and I just thank you for being one of those one of those people it makes all the difference it does thank you Okay, so as we wrap this up, I mean, you've given so much good advice. You've given so much of yourself. So you've been so transparent so that people understand all of the emotions and and everything that come along with a journey like yours. Mm -hmm. But is there anything that you would like to leave with our listeners, whether it's 
moms or actually can I ask you to leave something with moms, but then also leave something for providers? Because not every yeah. provider is going to be faithful, but what advice or what would you ask of a provider who is serving women who may not look like a textbook? Yeah, you know, well, for uh, what I would tell the providers is to um, look again and don't be afraid to listen to the patient. Yes, you are the expert. You, you, you spent years and years in school and trainings. However, you're still human and science is ever changing. So what was the science today? Isn't the science tomorrow? I mean, I'm proof of that. So, um, just, just be open, be open to listen to your patients, even if their symptoms don't look like what you think they should look like, or if you think they're exaggerating or, you know, they're a new mom. So they're just, you know, being extra sensitive, listen to them. It's better to take precautions and to be proactive than to wait and not listen to them and try to stay on the course for which you've been trained and something bad happens. You don't, you don't want to be that physician. That said, wow, if I had, even if I would have taken two more minutes to do this extra test that may not come back, come out to be anything, but at least you tried. So just um, just listen to your patients. They are the experts of their bodies. It, it's OK. You know, and then so for to moms, um, I want moms to give themselves more grace. It's OK not to always be so strong and be on go every single day give yourself grace to be able to carry a baby to be able to give birth that's a life-changing experience completely life-altering life change there's a reason only women can do that (laughs) i don't care what's going on in the media there's a reason only women can get pregnant whether it's by ivf donor it whatever or not but there's a reason why we can carry the baby have the baby go through all of that pain and still get up and wash the, you know, after you heal, wash the dishes, do be all things to everybody, be all things to yourself first, be all things to yourself first, give yourself grace and also advocate for yourself. And, and not only that, but teach your, if you, if you're married, have a significant other, teach them how to advocate for you because me and natural, I hate to say this, but most men naturally, don't know what to say yeah, or how to advocate for a woman and their, and you know, their body, but you have to teach, you have to teach them and, and include them on the experience of, and, and so one of the things I did before we had the baby, I talked to my husband, listen, if I'm in the event that I'm under, you know, I'm unable to advocate for myself. This is what I want to happen. This is what I want you to say, whatever you do advocate for me. I don't care what they say advocate for me and so we we used to have those candid conversations and so it's important as a woman that um you're able to do the same have a team around you who believes the same thing you believe and that they know for sure what you want to have but most importantly give yourself grace and advocate for yourself don't take no for an answer do not take no for an answer and listen you you told me one thing but i'm just listen to your body Yes. Listen to your body. If, if the headache, if you're not used to having headaches and all of a sudden you're having headaches, go. I don't, I don't care how many times you, you, you have to go. I don't care what it looks like. They may say, oh, you were just in here last week. Okay. And yes, this is your life. This, this is your life. And you can't take it for granted because so 
Um, as a mom, you absolutely rock. As a woman, those who are trying to get pregnant, I can't say that in due time it's going to happen. It happened for me. It can happen for y'all. I'm telling you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, it oh. can happen. Yes. If it happened for me, God can do it for you. Yes. 1000%. And it's going to happen. Amen. Amen. I cannot say anything better than that. <laughs> I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing your story. I am grateful that Miss Pat brought us together because otherwise I would have missed out. I have never heard your story outside of Miss yeah. Pat and you. Yeah. And so to have missed this would have been. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't even know where I would be. So I am grateful for you coming on and sharing because now you now you will reach the masses yes thank you thank you for this for the opportunity and for doing what it is you do this is ministry work i mm -hmm. the lives that will be that are being changed and saved through your organization through your business through your ministry it is godly work and, I, and my prayer is that god continue to replenish you and give you the provision for what it is you want to do so that you can do it on an even bigger level because this is important it's it's work that needs to be done thank you for listening to the operation miss podcast it is our hope that you leave this conversation showered with love and empowered to live. If you are interested in being a part of Operation Mist, please head to operationmist.org to learn more about who we are, what we do, and how we can serve you.